0: There you go. Uh, we would have technical difficulties if we tried to sing the first song because two two, uh, two lines were left out. So let, let's uh, we're going we're going we'll sing that another time. Okay? Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. Something about the name of Jesus. Amen. Something takes me back to my childhood like that song. I believe that's the first song I remember ever hearing in church when I was a little bitty boy. What a great song it is. And let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. God, we just thank you for this day, for your goodness and grace, for your mercy, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to come to you any time that we want to. Lord, that you're there to listen to us, that you're there to help us uh, when we're troubled. Uh, Help us, Lord, when we're in uh, dire situations. But, Lord, also help us uh, when we just need to talk, and we need to talk to you, and we thank you for that. What a friend we have in Jesus, Lord. We just thank you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Well, good evening, church. Turn with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 is our text for tonight. And uh, we are walking through the book of James. And last week we talked about works that result from faith in Christ Jesus. And tonight I want to talk about possibly the most positive or most negative work that we can produce. And that is our speech and what we say so words of speech matter. What we say matters. How we say it matters. Uh, everything that comes from our mouth really matters. And James addresses those who, uh, at first he starts out with those who aspire to teach and he will see that. He talks about the teachers and the responsibility of what they teach and how they use their uh, what their words and And he's eagerly addressing that with them because he knows that that which they say will affect many people. So we're going to look at that tonight. And and I'm reminded of a text of scripture, Acts chapter 20, verse 27 and 28, says this For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over which the holy spirit hath made you overseer to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood we are responsible to the church of the lord jesus christ and to the lord of that church to speak truth into the church and how we present the whole counsel of the the gospel and of god's word really matters so Here he's speaking to to teachers and he's speaking the value of words, and we'll see that as we read in this text tonight. But I want us to be reminded of the power of words right up from the very beginning. Jonah, a prophet, spoke five Hebrew words. Five Hebrew words, Ben. Did you ever preach a sermon of five words? Me neither. Forty-five minutes, yes. (laughs) Thirty minutes, maybe. But five words, and here's Jonah. He speaks five Hebrew words. Now, in the English translation of that, it's it's uh, yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The prophet of God stood and spoke those words. And with those words spoken, it touched the hearts of an entire nation. And they repented and got right with God. Words really matter. Zacharias was told by the angel of the Lord in Luke's gospel, uh, what was, what would happen in the days to come. And his response to the angel was, how shall I know this? Just a few short words. How shall I know this? Five words. And those five words caused him to be mute for 40, 40 days. He couldn't speak again. So, I mean, words really matter. And it has an impact on us. I wonder how we're using our words, are we using them wisely? Are we in control of that which God has given us the privilege to speak to others of the tongue that God has given us? Do we do a good job of that? Let's read what James has to say about the tongue. If you will stand with me, James chapter 1, I want to begin in the first I mean James chapter 3 beginning in the first verse through the 12th says this. though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a force is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity, The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your text of Scripture that James is speaking into our hearts. The caution that we receive tonight on how we use the tongue which you have set in our bodies. God, I pray that the things that we say, that let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our God my rock and my redeemer. God, I pray that you would help us to be very diligent about the things we say and how we use our tongue. God, may tonight's message speak to me. May it speak to everyone present and everyone who hears this this passage and hears this uh, explanation of your word tonight. God, I pray that you'll move through this and you get the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all. You've appointed us, God, to come together tonight. I pray that you'd anoint me with the power which can only come from you to preach your word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So as we look at this text, we see that James is he's bringing forth a very stern warning. I mean, in fact, if you read the, the passage that we just read, and you, you really literally take it in and take it to heart. It will make you, even me right now, I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't even speak. Maybe we should just say, uh, adios, hasta la vista. Good night, (laughs) Uh, because you're like, wow, and and I know, I know the responsibility of speaking before congregations. I I recognize that it's a weight that weighs heavily upon me. I, I, I really, I've told you before, I really feared. That I would, in this time, say something wrong. And I've come to the realization, when you preach the, the thousands of sermons that I preach to this point, somewhere along the line, I didn't say what I was thinking, or I wasn't thinking when I said. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, sometimes the mouth gets in gear before the brain, Grandmama used to say. Said, I think you put the wrong thing in motion first, son. So, you know, every now and then we are capable of not really speaking from our heart, but saying something wrong. We knew what we were trying to say, but others heard what they wanted to hear or heard what we said sometimes. So the way we speak and what we say really matters. And, and I, I recognize the weight of speaking. And James is speaking to us tonight. And, and in fact, he, he speaks directly to anyone who would teach he says in this text, just because it was, a, it was a position of authority. It was a position that many wanted in the day that, that James was speaking to the first church. He was speaking to people that wanted the position of teacher. They wanted to get there. They wanted to be able to tell of the stories of the things they had seen of God they, they, and the way Jesus had worked. And they wanted to tell these stories, so they were eager to do this. So James was telling them, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Well, that's, that's exciting. I mean, you know, that like, the, hello, let's have a sign-up list now for new teachers. I'm sure everybody will sign up now, James. Thank you for really being an encouragement tonight and saying it'll be okay. But no, he tells us, you, you've really got to take this into consideration that we don't just run to the task of being a teacher because we recognize the things we teach matter. It, it's, a, it's a position of authority. It's a, it's a reputable position when we enter into a position to teach. It's, a, it's an honorable position, but it's a very, very weighted position. Anyone who teaches should take caution because we're using words. I mean, we, we do, we speak entire, not entirely, not everything, not all of what we do in teaching is, is spoken. Some of it is visual, it's seen, and actions, yes. I had a guy say one time, and I, I forget where I heard it, where I read it, but said, we teach every day of our life. Sometimes we use words. Everybody's teaching, okay? So let's just bring the playing field a little more equal here, because you may say, well, I, I never signed up to be a pastor. I didn't sign up to be a pastor either. <laughs> I never, never signed up on that list. I never sought out that opportunity. God called me to this, and, and that's one thing that affirmed my call so greatly was I wasn't seeking the job. God called me to it, so I know that. I know that I was called to it, and there are many who are teaching today that are in a position of teaching that didn't, didn't sign up for it. They didn't go out seeking it, but they were called to it. They were equipped by God for it, so they had to do it. It was just kind of like, you know, I've got to teach. That's what, that's what I was created to do. And and you recognize it, though, it's it's a hard place to be, you're called to do it. But recognize this with me. Every one of us teach somebody around us. Somebody is looking to you. Somebody recognizes you. As an authority. Somebody looks up to you. Somebody. It, it, you're, you are somebody to somebody, okay? There's a grandchild that looks to you. There's a, a, a nephew, a niece. There's a, a cousin, an uncle, a brother. There's a, a wife, a husband. There's, there's somebody. There's a friend, a coworker. There's somebody who looks to you. And what you say matters. How you live your life matters. You teach every day. Sometimes you use words. James is honing in on the when we use words. He, he's looking deeply into that to understand that. So uh, a teachers teach, and he's saying here that when you teach, you, you've got to be careful. Because first of all, as we enter in the position of teaching, we enter into a place of stricter judgment. In other words, what we do, we recognize isn't just done haphazardly. It's done in a way that it leads others. So, good and bad, good and bad teachers in this world. There, there are people who have used their, their opportunity for a platform to persuade in the positive and the negative. We could sit here and account for that tonight. There have been those that, I, I think of Billy Graham. Oh, what a, what an inspiration his teaching have been to so many. I think of Adrian Rogers. Uh, what, a, what an inspiration his teaching was to so many. I, I could go on down the list. There are many notable men. Charles Spurgeon. There, there are men around this world who have been used by God to, to make a difference in the life of so many people. <clears throat> so a, a, as we recognize that, we, we see that these men taught and, and they, they use their position in a place of authority to make a difference. And they led people. Well, there are other people in this world have used their position of authority to speak, and they misled people greatly. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that in your life where people have used their position of authority, the place of, uh, uh, that where they could stand, the platform upon which they could stand, to speak untruth, to speak misguiding words, manipulative words? And they've used that as a way to guide in the wrong direction. For their own personal gain or for the gain of someone else, they've misguided people. And James is warning against that. He's like, you've got to be careful. We build to a, higher strict, a, a stricter level of, of accountability. I mean, we're going to be standing before God. All teachers will. I, I believe as a father in my own house, I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give an account for how I raised three children. And how I led my wife. I'm going to do that before God. My wife's not going to give an account for how she led me. I'm going to give an account for how I led her because God made me the head of that house. He placed me in that position of authority. And He called me to lead my wife. He called me to lead my kids. He called me to teach them. And I'm going to stand and give an account for that. And every father in this world, every husband is going to stand in that position alongside of me. And we're going to to give an account for everything we spoke into their life and how we directed them. And none of us have been perfect in that. Amen? I mean, we, we've not all been successful at every time being the great encourager. Well, I, maybe there's some of you in here that have. But I can speak for most of us. We didn't. We, we were not everything we could have been all the time. So what we say matters. How we speak really matters. James is saying that you're, you'll encourage your judgment. Verse, verse 2 says, "...for we all stumble in many ways." And how true that is. A lot of times when, when teachers are, are teaching, even teachers who have risen to a place where they can teach, which should be all of us teaching someone, we have the potential to stumble. I've said this. Other pastors have said it before me. I am capable of any sin known to man. Uh, just because I stand in this position, now it means that I should not be falling into that sin. I should not be living my life in sin, certainly. And if I were, you should call me out. And if you saw any in in uh, any way in my life that would be misleading to others, as a teacher, a brother or sister in Christ should call another person out. That's that's what we're supposed to do. James tells us that later on in this book we'll see that. But in our life, as a, as a teacher. There's a chance for all of us to fall, not just the pastor, but for everyone in this room, everyone in this world has a chance to fall. We we can stumble in many ways. But we're going to be held to a strict judgment. I want to share a passage of Scripture out of Luke chapter, chapter 12, verse 47 and 48. It says this, And the slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with His will will receive many lashes. So, there's a text of Scripture here that's reminding us that we're called by God for the task of teaching and directing. Leading other people in the truth of God's Word. And as we are called to that by God, we are His slave, we are His servants, called by the Master, and we know His will, and, and if we... Don't prepare for it, then more than just shame on you, there's going to be a punishment for that. So we're called by God to do that. He says, but the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. My life will be asked much of because much has been entrusted to me. Your life, I, I don't know how much has been entrusted to you, what positions of authority and leadership you've held, but, but I know there are many of you in this room that have, have led many, and you will be held to a higher level of accountability and a stricter judgment, and much has been entrusted to you, so much will be required of you. Much is required. I'd rather be required of much, though, than I had little. I mean, honest before God, standing before you tonight, I'd rather be held accountable for a whole lot than I had be held responsible for nothing. Because if I was held responsible for nothing, I'd probably sorry away. But because I know there's a lot weighing on my shoulders, I know I've been given a lot and I'm going to be accountable to a lot, I'm, I, it causes me to get up and go every morning. It causes me to get back in the Word, live more for Jesus, dig into His Word, work on my own life, and, and let God work on my life to make me the man He wants me to be. I want to be that. And you should want to be the man or the woman God's called you to be because there are other people looking to you and you're leading other people. So all of us as Christians hold that position. Not only do, as far as teachers go, uh, do do we need to be careful with what we say and recognize there's a stricter judgment in everything we speak, everything we say, everything we do is uh can can lead people right or lead people wrong, but there's time needed to mature and uh and for us to mature in god's word and and, and grow in god 's word and understand god's word and, and not only that but we we must not just be talkers of it but we must be walkers of it we've got to walk out what we talk out if I stand up here on Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday night and any other time during the week and say something and preach it but don't live it that's hypocrisy and that's that's an, I mean, that's appalling. It should be appalling to all of us for me to speak one thing to you and go live something entirely different. And, and every man that does that, every woman that does that, should be called out for that. Amen? That's why we need to walk closely with one another, so we can live closely with one another, so we can learn a lot about one another, so that we can, that we can lead and we can encourage and we can direct. I love having people close to me. I've called out and begged for accountability. I've got more accountability in my life now than I have at any other time, and I love it. I'd rather be being held accountable. I'd rather know that people are seeing my life, people are looking into my life, than I had to be living a life that I thought I was skating by and nobody was looking. That, does that help you? Can, can you see that in your own life? You'd rather somebody be looking at your life and walking with you than you had to be walking alone, hadn't you? We can stumble. We can go astray. Verse 2 is telling us we can can fall in so many ways. Matthew um, Matthew chapter 12 tells us in verse 33 it says this. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Did you get that? The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Great truth here, ladies and gentlemen. Don't miss this. The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. You can't speak different than that which is filling your heart. What's in the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. What comes in and resides in us will come out of us. It can't be done any other way. It's just we are who we are and we will speak What what is within us? So as we see this and and understand this truth, it, it continues to say, The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Wow. By your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? But understanding where the context of that Scripture comes from, that yes, by my words I will be justified, or by my words I will be condemned. But understanding that that word that is being that which is condemned, or that which is justified by that word, that word is coming from my heart. And the heart that is being transformed by Jesus, the heart that is... Like the, like the potter's clay on the potter's wheel and constantly being formed and shaped and transformed and, and renewed by the, by the word washing in and cleansing and changing and transforming. When, when that's happening in a life and that which comes out, of that new heart. Not the heart of stone, but the heart of flesh that God gives us. That heart speaks differently than the heart of stone. Or the heart that is not being transformed. The heart that is not being molded and mended. But that's why he can say that. By your words you'll be condemned. Or by your words you, you will be, uh, you, you'll be condoned. You'll, you'll be brought forth in, in truth. And, and you'll be accommodated by what you've spoken in your life. So here we see... that that, that James is revealing to us that what what we say really matters. Uh, If if anyone, it says in verse 2, continuing, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So it's kind of an equalizer here. We can all stumble in many ways. We can. And and if we could could just get the tongue right, then we would have the whole body in shape, he's saying there, because if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Any perfect men here? Any perfect women here? Anybody striving to be perfect here? Amen. See, that, that, that's what we should be. We should be striving to be perfect. And it's going to matter what we're, what we're taking into our life and what's coming out of our life. Proverbs chapter 15 tells us this. Verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Does it matter? Does it matter about your tongue? According to that text, it does. What we speak, what we, the, way we, the way we speak to others really matters. It can either soothe or it can destroy. So, so we see that. And, and, and to say bridle, when, when he says there, if, a, if a perfect, he's a perfect man able to bridle the whole body as well, that means to keep it in check. I'm telling you, if I can keep my words in check, I've got a good chance of keeping my body in check. But if I can't keep my words in check, there's a good chance I won't keep my body in check. It's the truth. The truth of Scripture. We need accountability in our lives. We need people to listen to us. We need people to hear what we say and, and know us and walk with us and encourage us and correct us, because when, when we speak incorrectly, when we say something or I've said things wrong, I, I'm telling you, in 15 years of preaching, I've said things wrong. I've had people come to me and say, oh, you didn't mean that. Just recently, I said something here. I I was trying to say one word. I said another word, and it it got real Catholic in here for a moment. I didn't mean what I said. Me and Ben talked about it. I was like... Oh, no, that's not what I meant to say. I meant to say this. And I, was, <laughs> I didn't mean to accommodate in that direction. I meant this over here. And, and it was it's not even worth going back and recapturing. But I can tell you this. I appreciate when somebody says, did you really mean to say that? <laughs> no, I didn't mean to. You know, it's, it's good to be able to be accountable to the words which we speak and have people who will listen and hear what we're saying. To walk through that with us. The words we have, the words we speak, have the power to direct our life. Another text of Scripture in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, uh, it says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, I can speak death over something or life. I can say things. I'm telling you, let me give you a real vivid illustration of this. When I walk in my house and look at my five-year-old daughter, I can speak at her in a way that will bring death upon her or life upon her. I can, in other words, I can encourage her and build her up. And I can applaud when she's doing good. Or I can condemn and push her down. And I can destroy her. She's fragile. She's five. That doesn't doesn't mean that my 17-year-old isn't fragile. I I need to look at my 17-year-old, and and when I can speak good, speak good. And when I can encourage, I need to encourage. When I need to discipline, I need to discipline. I need to speak in a way that I bring discipline soundly and not destruction to his life. Same with my 21-year-old. I get a chance to speak into her life. I, I have the power of life and death in my tongue when I speak to my kids. I have the power of life and death when I speak into the relationship with my wife. The words I choose, the way I speak to her matters. The, it's not always, as, as Mama taught me, it's not always what you say, it's how you say it, too. So the words that I say, the way I say those matter. The, what I say and how I say them can bring life to a situation or death to a situation. And I need to be careful, and you do too, that we speak positively and we speak in love. Speak correction where correction needs to be. The Bible says, spare the rod and spoil the child. There's times of discipline that need to come into the life of situations. It has to happen. But let's be careful how we speak and how we, how we use the power of the tongue. Have you ever said anything you wish you could take back? Sure you have. You've probably said a bunch of things you wish you could take back. I mean, you know, you just got red hot mad and you just let it go and you're like, ooh, I wish I hadn't done that. But it's like a bullet. Once it's fired out of a gun, you can't retract it. Oh, you can try to cover it, and you can try to speak, and you can try to make it better. But that which you have spoken has taken direction. And the direction was headed towards the heart of someone. And it pierces that heart. And it either does positive work or negative work. So we have the power of life and death in our tongues. And we be careful how we speak to one another in a serious fashion. That's what he's telling us here. He says... You know we we got to be very careful what we say. We put bits, he says. There's three three illustrations he gives here. We put bits in a horse's mouth. We put a we put a rudder on a large ship, and and, and we put a, a tongue in in the body. You know God does. So we we've got three illustrations there. Now if we put bits in the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct the entire body as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. I've had the privilege of burning things. I'm a boy, okay? I really enjoy watching things. Just watching a fire. It's really cool. Anybody else here mesmerized by a fire? I mean, not in a destructive way now. I'm, we, y'all are raising my hand. Not on that one. No, 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 no. I'm not a pyromaniac. I'm not talking about that, but I like to watch a, a good fire. Sat around with some friends last night around a, a campfire, basically, around a fire in a, in, on a little, uh, a little metal... Contraption there, whatever you call it, but anyhow, I sat around and just cool to sit there and feel the warmth of that fire on a cool evening and, and and watch it dance through the wood but but realistically, that fire which can bring so much rejuvenating life because you say, well that fire was a destructive fire, and it was it consumed the wood that was in there but i 've seen fires set in wo- in the woods where they were set aflame with intent and controlled as best as possible, and they brought back. New growth and, and replenished the woods, the understory, came alive. Yet I've seen fires rage through and destroy. You, you've been to Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge area. You've been to Gatlinburg. And hope maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but you, maybe you saw it on the news. But I remember going over there after the fire swept through. What was that, two years ago? Swept through Gatlinburg and just destroyed so much. Just just a little spark is all it took to bring great destruction and we need to realize that our tongue is just like that. It can be a it can be a fire that brings correction, a fire that can bring rejuvenating life and and, and actually benefits, or it can be one that destroys and consumes. So it's amazing what that and, and the fact that we can take a bit and put it in a horse's mouth and control it. Some of them. <laughs> I've had some, you had to use some really strong bits to control them in, in my life. But, you know, we can, we can do more with a horse with a bit in its mouth than we can without. And we can put a rudder on a ship, and we can direct that ship by just a, such a small rudder, such a large ship can be turned. And our mouth is stationed within us in a way that it can, it can do, it can turn the body, the whole body, very easily. I'm going to forget this, so I'm going to say it now. Someone told me one time, said it's amazing. The smallest member of the body can have the greatest destruction. And God built it in a cage. He put it behind teeth. Sometimes it's better to let the cage down <laughs> and, and keep the tongue contained. <laughs> but so many times we just let it roll. I had a lady tell me one time, she said, I'm old enough now, I don't have to have a filter. I can say whatever I want to. I said, we never get that old. We never get so old that we don't have a filter. We've always got to have a filter. And we've got to be careful what we say because the Bible tells us be careful how we speak and what we speak. We never get to the place in our life where we can say whatever we're thinking unless we're thinking all godly thoughts. So God's telling us to be very careful with our mouth. Verse six, the tongue is a fire. The very word, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among the members, that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. The world of iniquity, the unrighteousness that no other part of the body has the capacity for is capable in the tongue. The tongue is capable of such evil. I'm telling you, many many people have entered into many many sins. That began with a word spoken. The way you spoke to the opposite sex at the water cooler and invited them into a conversation that led down a road of adultery. It all started with a talk, with a look and a talk. Talking people into doing things that they shouldn't do, and you being talked into doing things you shouldn't do, maybe. Being alcohol or drugs have caused many people to fall to addiction. They were trying to probably cover something else. There was something else hurting in their body and there was something else hurting in their life. Something else they were trying to cover and they, they found direction by somebody speaking in their life to move in this direction or that. The tongue is capable of such destruction. It can defile the whole body, contaminate an entire person, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27, says this. A worthless man digs up evil while his words are like a scourging fire. Wow. Verse 7 and 8, let me skip down to them, talk about the deadly poison of the tongue. For every species of beast and bird and reptile and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. You know, we, we see man's ability, we've got the ability to do a lot of things, but we have a hard time taming our own tongue, is what that scripture is telling us. So it's going to take, take a work, it's going to take the work of God in our life, recognizing first the power of the tongue, and then asking God to help us to use our tongue for His glory and His glory alone. Now, we, we can cage animals, can we cage the tongue? Can we capture that power and use it rightly? Verse 9 through 12 tell us that um, our tongue displays our life. From the same mouth come forth, or come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. I've I've spoken about that text many times. That that text spoke to me. I, I grew up in a culture like many of you where... Um, you got to a place in life where it was kind of big to say a big word, use use uh, curse words. They were really small words, but they were used in a big way, and, and they were used to be expressive in your life. And And uh, grew up around a shop and watched a lot of guys, grew up around a lot of farmers, and just the influence of life. Uh, and not to say that all farmers are bad folks because they curse. I'm not not trying to put... It could be mill workers, it could be construction workers, it could be anything, it could be, you name it, it could be ladies, I've seen some ladies that could cuss better than me, okay, so it's not just all men either, but I can tell you this, blessing and cursing shouldn't proceed from the same mouth. When, you know, people said, asked me before, do you speak in tongues? I do speak in tongues, I speak with a new tongue. A tongue given to me by God. I don't speak the way I used to speak. I speak, I speak blessing, not cursing. I changed my language because I got a new tongue in my mouth. Does that make sense? I've got a new heart in my body and out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I speak with a new tongue. I speak in a new way. Now, does that mean I've, I've never cussed since I got saved? I wished I could stand here before you and tell you that. I have not, but I bet I can count them on less than one hand how many times I have. And it, it's a transition of life from where I used to be. To where I am I, My son can remember one time I cussed It was about nine years ago He's 17 He says, but dad, I remember the day you cussed Of all the things I've done For heaven's sake Could you remember something good? I mean, you know, isn't that the case? I mean, you, know, you get mad one time And they'll remember it for the rest of their life <laughs> And you, you do all them good I mean, It's like when we were driving down the road I run off the road One time in a 14 hour trip and I hear it for three hours. I'm like, nobody said a single thing about how straight I've driven for the last three hours. Nobody said a single thing about how many millions of miles I've delivered you safely from one place to another. But I run off the road one time and you're going to tell me about it for three hours. You, you, I'll get the gist of this. You know what I'm talking about. How many drivers can want to say amen right now? Preach it, brother. Preach it. <laughs> but you, in reality, I mean, we, we do. But that's the nature the nature. I have a new tongue, and, and I don't want to ever use my tongue in a way that is destructive. But I recognize how destructive it is when a, when a man or a woman speaks cursing and then turns around and speaks blessing out of the same mouth. They should never come from the same vessel. He's telling us here, fresh water and salt water don't come from the same vessel. Fig trees produce figs. They don't produce olives, and olive trees don't produce figs, and vines don't produce either. So if we recognize that, we recognize out of the person that God is calling us to be, it's a surrender issue. It really is that we would surrender everything about it. Say, Lord, I do not want to bless you and curse somebody else. Now, now that cursing is not only speaking bad words. That cursing can be talking down on someone, speaking ill of someone, destroying someone with your words uh speaking a, a negative about somebody he says we have the power of life and death of our tongue i've covered that well but i'm telling you what we say and how we say it matters and we shouldn't curse the god that we're we love and we're blessing is the same god that created the person many times you're talking bad about that that kind of ends gossip too okay That that brings to to bed all the problems we would have when we're talking ill about other people when we recognize that the same God we're blessing with this mouth, we can't turn around then and destroy the people that He created in His image. I have to be reminded of that. You have to be reminded of that. When I talk bad about Joe or Sally or Jane, I'm talking bad about Jesus because He created them. And they're in His image. And no, they're not perfect yet. None of us are. We will be when we see Him face to face. All those that know Him and have been redeemed by Him. But we're in the process of being perfected and redeemed by His image. Being reborn in us. So James is telling us, be careful how you use your mouth. Blessing and cursing should not spring forth from the same well. Because I don't have two wells within me. I have one well. Jesus said, when you drink of me, you'll thirst no more. I am living water. I'll spring up in you like a well of life. I need that well of life springing up in me. And if I find myself saying things that are not pleasing to God, that is a place for me to start checking my heart and saying, God, there's something that I've allowed in my life. So, Lord, help me recognize what's in my heart that is now proceeding from my mouth, and I need you to help me direct that. So that's what we do. We go to God and ask Him. The tongue lines up with our life. We don't have two springs within us. So let me ask you this, what is, your, what is your tongue speaking today? And you look back over the last week, the last month, the last year, however long you want to look back, I believe it's valuable for us to reflect upon that which we've said. I believe if we're, we're all going to be teachers, you're all teaching somebody, so that which we are speaking, we need to bring it under control. And, and when we can control the mouth, when we can successfully control the tongue, what we say, When we can harness that, then we can bring the whole body in subjection to God. Don't you want to do that? It matters what we say. There's many strong verses I spoke tonight, but you have the power of life and death in your tongue. Speak truth. Speak love. Speak encouragement. Be careful what you say. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for the privilege, God, to be in your presence and to preach your word tonight. Father, I pray that you would give us the the conscious reminder throughout this week that you set this tongue within us and you set this heart within us. And God, let the tongue testify to what's going on in this heart. Let us recognize what's going on with our tongue. Let us hear the words we speak. Let us understand what needs to change in our hearts so that from the heart that spring of life would come through us and we would speak with our tongue truth, love, and encouragement to those around us. Lord, that we would tame the tongue and bring our bodies under subjection to You. We love You, Father. We thank You for Your love. Thank you that you're still working on us. You're not done with us. You haven't given up on us. You haven't cast us aside. You've you've called us and you're perfecting us. And life and all of its occurrences and occasions bring correction to us and change and transformation. And you're walking with us. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for continually teaching us, loving us, encouraging us, and strengthening us. I pray, Father, that we'll use our tongue for your glory and that we will teach people positively in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I pray you have a great night. I look forward to seeing you again really soon.